downside, which could be higher rates than expected, perhaps for a longer time than expected, with the upside being that if you do get the reversals. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcade Economics. And on today's show, we're going to dig into where things stand with the current dynamics of the silver market, perhaps some key hurdles or things to look towards to determine where we'll go from here. Obviously, we had the price of silver come into the year right around the $24 mark, where it stayed for most of January before sinking $2, almost $2.5 at some points, largely on the back of a hotter than expected labor report, which again, I know a lot of us take with a grain of salt yet to the degree that the market's still reacting on those numbers that come out. That was one of the big drivers lower. Again, a lot of attention placed on the Fed. And as we take a look at the silver price, here is a chart over the last three years. Here it was um, going up near 30 back in July of 2020, shortly after the outbreak of the pandemic. Um, got right underneath the $30 mark. Again, we saw back during silver squeeze, even though this chart doesn't show it because it was just a one-day spike. Um, the price got over $30 for a few hours then and was back above $26 last year after the war in Ukraine broke out before sinking even below $18 throughout the summer last year as the Fed was in the middle of its 75 basis point rate hikes, which have now slowed to a quarter and just in terms of thinking about where does that leave us, well, the Fed is still hiking interest rates and looks like there's a couple more to come, which again will likely be just of the quarter point variety. Inflation, at least the metrics that the Fed looks at, and in the real world, not coming down as much as they had hoped. Obviously, there is a bit of a lag there, whether they're going to get that down to 2%. I'm not sure that outside of a severe recession that that would happen just based on the interest rate hikes as they are. Although so far, the inflation numbers have been pretty sticky and have not been coming down as much as the Fed has hoped. So possible that we could see an extension or as many of the Fed governors have said, the possibility of leaving rates higher for longer. Yet the key thing will be, how does this affect the economy? Do we go into recession, which especially given that, as I mentioned, there is a lag to the impact of a lot of the interest rate hikes, which still has yet to be felt and still a very good case to be made that we'll be seeing that throughout the second and third quarters of this year. Whether that means that the Fed is back lowering interest rates this year, I'm not sure the exact timing of it, but you have some forces building there that certainly look as if they're going to generate the need for more quantitative easing especially at the same time right now where the Fed is doing quantitative tightening, not actually selling treasuries yet, letting them run off their balance sheet. The interest expense on the debt continuing to climb and a lot of forces that make you wonder how a lot of that debt is going to be funded. So in terms of where that leaves the silver price, again, to, as of today's recording, it's right around $22. And I think of the fact that the Fed is still hiking, largely priced in, and it's not as if another one or two quarter point hikes are unknown. So in my opinion, leaves a little bit of a limited downside 
on the silver price versus what happens if the Fed is forced to revert to quantitative easing and lowering rates. I think that's the point where we really could see a move significantly higher in the silver market. Again, the other thing that I would touch on is if we have some sort of breakage in the silver supply, because last year we had that record deficit as reported by the Silver Institute. And at the same time, we see the stockpiles on the COMEX and in London have been on the low side. And here you see again, as I've mentioned many times before, 150 million ounces of silver squeeze, now under 32 million ounces. And if we look at this six-month chart, you can see over the last four months has been somewhat steady, going a little bit lower, but at least the pace has declined. I've heard some people suggest that we've reached the point where all of that silver actually is accounted for. A um, bit hard to know as it's a little bit of a black box in the COMEX system, yet I continue to hear some people speculate that we've really already reached basically the point at which it's hard to go much further below, and certainly we'll keep an eye on that going forward. Again, uh, here is the LBMA stockpile, which you see has come down quite a bit. Over the last two years, you can see back here in June of 2021, you had 1.18 billion ounces. Now that's down to 840, 841 million ounces. Again, has been somewhat flattening out over the last couple of months, but certainly seems to be the case that a lot of that metal could have been used to fund the deficit that was reported last year. Interesting that in terms of the ETFs, now this includes the COMEX as well, but even as the silver price has risen over the past three or four months, we've seen metal consistently coming out of there. Here the blue line shows how much silver is in these transparent silver holdings, which if you look back here on the 10-year chart, you can see there's some degree to which there's a bit of a correlation between the silver holdings and the silver price. Blue line, again, being the amount of silver held in these various stockpiles or ETFs and the gray line being the price of silver. Yet, again, looking here, we've seen that price rise over the last quarter and metal continue to come out. There was that one big 21 million ounce deposit a couple of weeks ago and another decent deposit two weeks ago. But seems as if for the most part, the mainstream Wall Street investment crowd, not as much participating in buying silver through things like SLV or some of the other funds, whereas we've seen retail markets certainly buying a lot of silver and also certain countries buying a lot of silver. Talked a lot about India last year. They had a record of 304 million ounces, which is basically a third of the annual silver supply, just under a third, let's call it, um, as the annual silver supply, about 1 billion ounces. Also, interesting to see Turkey really ramping up their silver imports really over the last couple of years, but doubling those figures from 2020 and 2021, almost a double, let's call it, at 834 tons. So, which going back to how does that affect the silver price, something I've wondered about for a long time, which led me into this, is that eventually with so much paper silver out there, a lot more paper silver trading than actually exists in metal form. Do you get to a point where more silver is called for than is able to deliver? 
I'm of the school of thought that over a long enough time period in years, you have a good chance of heading towards something like that, whether that is this year or five years from now or some point further out remains the unanswered question. I've thought there were times that that might have happened sooner. In fact, we came close to that happening in Silver Squeeze back in 2021. The LBMA reported that they were weeks away from running out of silver. And I was listening to an interview with Rick Rule, who now does his own thing, but used to be part of Sprott. And he was mentioning that in the months after that, they cleaned out the silver supply in a couple different places and eventually had a hard time locating silver to add to their trust. So we have been near the point where there hasn't been silver to deliver. Does that mean that we are again close to that point or we're going to hit that point? I wish I knew the exact answer, but when you look at the fact that you have a lot of silver being demanded in various places and also that there is a deficit being run, let alone adding on the demand for all the plans to go green, certainly builds the case that we could be heading towards that. I wonder if another spark that perhaps could push that forward is if you finally do get some sort of more overt market crisis that leads people rushing into silver. So far, we haven't had that. We've had strong demand over the last couple of years, but not really a crisis that has forced a run or something that has drawn the mainstream participation into that. I've wondered and I continue to wonder if seeing silver go above the $30 mark is the kind of thing that could catch the media's eye and really lead people to start chasing price because we know that often there is momentum chasing these markets and it's really once the price starts to move in one direction or the other that you really get people piling in. We saw that again to a degree back in February of 2021. And it's interesting because there was an interview that came out a couple of days ago on David Morgan's channel with analyst named John Perez, who was actually talking about some of the developments he sees happening with the Russia-Ukraine war that he believes are about to escalate, unfortunately, and perhaps lead to a spark in demand for the metals. So again, there's a lot of things going on out there that could be that spark. And I suppose that's been the case for a couple of years. And so far, we see today's silver price around $22. So there's some degree to which the price is where it is. Yet when you look at all of these factors, it remains to me a rather fragile situation. And I'll put the link to that interview, which I think is well worth taking a listen to in the description field below so that you can at least hear what he's laying out. But I guess going back to what we started digging into here, again, you have the downside, which could be higher rates than expected, perhaps for a longer time than expected, with the upside being that if you do get the reversal, certainly there's the chance that that could well be the spark that makes things go in the metal, add on the kicker that you have at least the potential of running into some sort of gap, which is in complete conspiracy theory to suggest because, again, in the last couple of years, we did get close to that. And that's not my opinion, but that's confirmed by some of the market sources that I mentioned earlier. So certainly an interesting environment out there. Not the easiest one to navigate, but we'll see what happens with gold and silver going forward.
obviously a lot of analysts calling for higher gold prices. We've seen that on the bank side as well in the past year, which not that the banks always have the answer or even if they did would necessarily tell the public yet. Even while silver is down in the 20s, gold not all that far off from its all-time high or that $2,000 mark. And again, with a lot of things going on in the world that lead people to buy gold that have led the central banks to set a record over the past year, going back about 50 years in terms of central bank gold buying. And you wonder how much higher the gold price could go before we would finally see silver do some catching up. Historically, gold has moved first in many of these rallies and silver has followed, often moving by a bigger percentage, but doing so afterwards. And in due time, I suppose we'll see if that pattern fits again. In terms of some other things that are worth keeping an eye on, again, we're seeing stories out now about how U.S. could default as soon as July if the debt ceiling standoff isn't resolved. And I'm not sure that it would say it's that likely that we see an overt default because they fail to raise the debt ceiling limit, obviously, every time it's come up, which has been a lot of times now, which, again, seemingly negates the purpose of it. But we've seen that debt limit raised every time. And I would imagine this time will be the same, although interesting to see some of the credit default swaps on U.S. debt continue to rise with the market pricing in at least more concern of an issue to come. Another note that I found interesting, this was a story on Zero Hedge that talked about fixing the debt ceiling crisis via gold. No, they were not talking about a trillion ounce coin, but actually looking at marking gold to market value you see here current price u.s treasury values its gold at 42.22 an ounce treasury values its gold holdings at a little over 11 billion whereas the true market value of the gold is roughly 490 billion congress were to make a simple financial sound amendment to the gold reserve act it would free up nearly 480 billion in new treasury cash without raising the debt limit obviously that does, though, raise the question of how much gold does the U.S. actually have? A little bit of a mystery with a refusal to audit anything in Fort Knox for a couple of decades. I'm also not sure that that's something that the U.S. is likely to do. Certainly something that could be possible. And this was coming from Alex Pollock from the Mises Institute. So interesting thought there. And the title of this one, Fixing the Debt Ceiling Crisis Via Gold, that was on Zero Hedge in case you'd like to take a look. But I'm sure we'll be hearing plenty about the debt ceiling in these months going forward. Seems like it is going to be a bit more of a divisive process, as has been the case in many times past. And we will just keep an eye on it. But again, another one of the things that has the potential to spark the markets back in 2011 when there was a big debate about the debt ceiling, almost didn't get raised. That led to a downgrade by S&P, which was the same time that the gold price broke above $1,900 for the first time. And we'll see how it goes this time. Although one note that came over on Shift Gold that I thought was worth pointing out, they mentioned how when the US government says it's never defaulted, that's not actually accurate. Obviously, they're was the default in 1933 where dollar was backed by gold and people were forced to turn in their gold. I know a lot of people didn't yet. Then gold revalued a couple of years later. So you could count that as a default. Then also 
In April and May of 1979, amid computer malfunctions, heavy demand from small investors in the wake of congressional debate over raising the debt ceiling, U.S. failed to make timely payments on some $122 million in Treasury bills. Treasury characterized the problem as a delay rather than a default. And while the error affected only a fraction of 1% of the debt, short-term interest rates sent around 9% jumped 0.6 percentage points, and the U.S. was promptly sued by bondholders. And then, of course, they mentioned the last one, which is perhaps not an overt default, but an implicit default by keeping short-term interest rates below the level of inflation, doing things like quantitative easing, which I love how he phrases it here, stiffs bond investors with negative returns after inflation, which is the same environment we have now, or even after the rate hikes that we've seen so far, inflation rate, however you choose to measure it, certainly even with the government measurements, let alone John Williams' shadow stat, you're getting a much higher inflation rate than the yield on the treasury. So we are in that condition where you're getting a negative return after inflation, which is not an ideal situation. And perhaps uh, last story I'll pass along here is that, again, in terms of a more mainstream audience entering the precious metals markets, here was billionaire John Paulson saying you need gold, not dollars. Obviously, John Paulson, a well-known investor who invested quite a bit in gold uh, about a decade ago. And here he's mentioning other countries don't want to rely on dollars as much as they have in the past. And the U.S. also has an enormous deficit with the rest of the world in terms of trade and investment balances. It used to be positive, but now is very negative. And that points to the intermediate and long-term depreciation of the dollar versus other currency. Here he mentions a lot of the growth has been based on fiscal spending that has been financed by the Fed buying government debt also known as quantitative easing and a polite way of saying money printing and something we talk about a lot on the show that gets mentioned here with this backdrop. A lot of investors and central banks are looking for an alternative to the dollar at the moment. No tangible alternative exists, which is probably why the system has gone on for as long as it has. Although, as we discuss quite frequently on the show here, a lot of countries making arrangements almost by the day, it often seems, new countries joining the BRICS and finding ways to conduct trade without having any dollar involvement. So a little bit hard to see, especially now that you have some of the OPEC countries like Saudi Arabia getting involved in that, and then add on Russia getting kicked out of the SWIFT system, which has really set a precedent that has left, in my opinion, a lot of countries really rethinking how they're viewing these things. So not sure that I see that getting reversed anytime soon. And perhaps that's why, as a result, Paulson said gold is rising. So anyway, these are the things that I think will be determining the path of silver going forward. Could we get some more rate hikes? Could the rates stay higher for longer? Sure. Could that lead silver to get sold off? That certainly is possible. I would also suggest that silver had a pretty significant rally in a rather short period of time. So to see a sell off in the market, not entirely shocking. So either case, we'll keep an eye on it for you going forward. And before we wrap up, we'd just like to thank BlackRock Silver for bringing us today's video. And BlackRock been making quite a bit of progress over the last two years. They recently filed a technical report on their Silver Cloud property. They also had their drill results out at Tonopah West that included one and a half meters of 712 grams per ton silver equivalent as they've continued to expand the resource area at Tonopah West. 
And also earlier this year, BlackRock did enter into an option agreement with Tierlock Resources at their Tonopah North project where they found lithium results. So they have partnered with Tierlock, who has a lot of experience in developing lithium projects. So that will allow BlackRock to stay focused on their gold and silver. So quite a bit going on there. Link to find BlackRock is at blackrocksilver.com, also in the description field below. Thank you to BlackRock for bringing us today's video. And we're going to wrap up for today, but we'll see you again tomorrow with Rafi's Weekly Silver Report.